0: on uh, bridge builders and talking about unity, forgiveness, and all that good stuff that uh, we just need to be a part of each other's life and learning how to work with each other and live with each other and, and hang out with each other and just, just be who God wants us to be. We talked about that it takes a good set of blueprints to build a great bridge, and it also takes the right tools. Remember the little Allen wrench I had last week? That is not the right tool, I promise you in anything that you try to do. And today, the next step in the process is sometimes it takes rebuilding. <laughs> How many's ever done that? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You start building something, and you get building, and you get, you get going, and you get through it, and then all of a sudden you realize, man, I forgot to do this, or man, this ain't right. And then what do you do? You go and you got to undo all those screws, You got to take the whole thing all back apart because you can't just, you know, take apart one little part because you missed a step completely where that had to go. And I don't know about any of you, but after you get done putting something together, how many of you look and you have all these extra parts and you're going, what did I do wrong? I've done that a few times too. And usually those extra parts, I just go throw them in a bin somewhere out in the garage or I just say, man, I'll just throw these away and nobody will ever notice, right? Uh, and sometimes that's what happens. But we have to know that we have to rebuild sometimes. Um, sometimes in order to bridge the gap and mend relationships, you have to start a rebuilding process. It just happens. I want to tell you a story. Uh, anybody ever heard of the, uh, the, uh, the former minister? He's, he's, well, he's not a former minister. He's, he's passed on he, back in the uh, 1800s. A man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Anybody ever heard of him? Well, Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker... They both had churches in London in the 19th century. And on one occasion, Parker commented on the poor condition of the children that were admitted to Spurgeon's orphanage. Now, it was reported to Spurgeon, however, uh, that Parker had criticized the orphanage itself. And Spurgeon blasted Parker the next week from the pulpit. The attack was printed in the newspaper and it became the talk of the town. Everybody knew about this. And so what people did is they flocked to Parker's church the next Sunday because they wanted to hear the rebuttal. They're like, man, this is going to be a good fight. We're going to see what's going on. These two, these two preachers, surely they're going to have it out, right? But Spurgeon started it and then, and then uh, uh, Parker come and he said this the next Sunday uh, at his church. I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today, and this is the Sunday they used to take an offering for the orphanage. I suggest we take a love offering here instead. The crowd was delighted. The ushers had to empty the collection plates three different times, and later that week there was a knock on Parker's study, and it was Spurgeon. You know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me you have given me not what i deserved you have given me what i needed see i believe that this is a powerful a powerful story here of building a bridge rather than digging a wider chasm pastor parker could have so easily furthered the divide by caving into the cultural pressure that was around him and yet he did not he chose the way of grace and compassion and he went above and beyond and remember these words today that spurgeon spoke spoke he said you have given me not what i deserved. you have given me what i needed if you have your bibles today go with me to the book of luke chapter 15 we're going to look at a parable that jesus told And this parable is probably one that many of you know, if not all of you. You've probably heard it. You've probably heard it preached. You've probably heard it read multiple times. You've probably read it yourself multiple times. But I want to begin at verse 11. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father... Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Let's stop there for just a moment. You see, this young man's decisions not only affected him, but it also affected his family. You see, what this young man did was he basically told his father that he wished that he was dead. By him going to his father and asking for his inheritance early. That's basically what he's saying. He's saying, Father, I basically don't care about you no more. And I just wish you were dead. So just give me my inheritance now so I can get out of here. And the inheritance, it's normally only given to the sons at the father's death. But this son, he wanted it early. And so he's saying, I wish you were dead. And this was a very hard moment for this family. And just like this story, when Spurgeon attacks Parker from his pulpit, it became the entire town's problem. Everybody wanted to get involved. Spurgeon could have chosen differently how to use his pulpit. The gift that God gave him. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sin... Becomes universal. Sin is never a privatized or an isolated matter. It has a ripple effect that travels much further than any of us can know. I, I think of it this way: you ever taken a, a, a pebble and thrown it into a pond or a lake? When the water's calm and you take that pebble and you throw it, what does it do? It just it ripples. And that's the way sin is. That's the way sin affects. It doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you. It affects your friends, your neighbors, your family members. It travels. So my question is, one of the questions is, are you wasting your possessions? Looking at our text and thinking about this younger son, more than likely he was probably in his late teens. More than likely he's single his inheritance would have been half of what the older brother received or a third of his father's estate the verb that we see in wasted possessions it means to scatter or disperse something similar to the prodigal son jesus gives you and i an opportunity to use the gifts that we are given given the tools and the instructions we you and i have a choice to build a bridge and mend relationships Or we can waste our possessions and end up just feeding the pigs, longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. We have the choice to make. When you look at the term prodigal, it's translated to describe a debased, extravagant Life. The prodigal son chose to waste his possessions on himself, and he ended up uh, he ended up broke, alone, and he ended up doing things that the Jewish culture were unclean, or uh, Jewish culture were unclean according to the law of Moses. He not only squandered his possessions, but his identity as well. He was willing to let go of all of it, and in the end, he was left with nothing. Think about it. Did you know that you and I, we have similar choices to make with the gifts that we've been given? All of us have been given gifts. Think about it. God has given all of us gifts. He's given all of us abilities. And we can use them for good to build up the family of God, but we can also use them for ourselves. We can squander them on things that don't matter, things that don't last. So my question to you is, are you wasting your possessions? Are you squandering the good that God has freely given you? Is it time to consider a different path, a different use for the gifts that you've been given? I believe that might be time for some of us to rebuild, to reprioritize, to rethink about where we're going, what we're doing, what we're saying, what we're using those gifts for. Every one of us has a little bit of a prodigal in us, right? Some of us are blessed with a, with a profession, with money, with a, a gift of singing or dancing or athletics. But we waste the gifting on things that please us. We live in a society where it's all about me. I see it every single day. You know what I'm talking about. We go to a, a supermarket or go to the Walmart or wherever we may go. It happens in the parking lot. It happens in the store. It happens at the registers. It happens in fast food restaurants. It's all about me. It's about my time. It's about my needs, my wants, my desires. If they don't have what I want, I'm going to go complain about it. If they don't do it exactly the way I want it done, I'm going to complain about it. It's all about us. We live in a society to where we feel like it's all about us. There's no shortage of temptation in this life. It's all around us. And it's common to all of us. And we veer off the path from time to time. Because we have those selfish tendencies. Do you know that we were born with those selfish tendencies? And we have to work to break those from our lives? Think about it. What, what is it a child does when, they're, when they don't know any better? They're hungry. What do they do? They cry. They scream. They want it. I want it now. At some point, you hope they grow up and they're no longer screaming and crying for what they want. But can I tell you that I've seen some adults act a lot worse than my, than my baby did when they were little? You hear me? Why? Because I, if I don't get what I want, I want it, you know. I want it now. And we allow that sin to come in and fester in our life and we don't ever grow up and we don't ever become all that God wants us to become. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that we are all tempted. We know that we all face these kinds of things in our life. Now let's get back to our text. Let's get back to our story. We understand this son. He had gone off. He had lived the life that he wanted to live. He had gone and he had done all the things and he ended up with nothing. He squandered it all. I love the second part of this story. Romans chapter I mean Luke chapter 15 verse 17. It says when he came to his senses. I love that part. Listen to that. When he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. And say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. And But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Remember what I told you before I read all this. When he came to his senses. I love how Luke puts that. It's like he's saying, when he finally woke up. You ever, you ever talk about somebody, someone says, well, they finally came to their senses. That's what's happening here. He's gone. Off. He had it good. He had a life that was good. He was he, he 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 didn't have to worry about anything. But yet he decided, and it has this has nothing to do with about going out and being a man on your own. He told his father, "I don't I don't want to be a part of you anymore." I don't want to be a part of this family no more. And he ran away from the family. He ditched the family. He went off. He squandered all he had. And he finally woke up and he said, you know what? Dad's hired servants are a lot better. Got it a lot better than I do. He came to his senses. He finally realized that I had it pretty good at home. And so he decided and, and I could see as as you read as we're reading these, this text, I can see him in his mind thinking, you know, I could go and man I could tell him this and you know you ever do that? You ever plan out your strategy before you you know, you know you're fixing to face conflict, right? You know something's about to go down. I mean, it's about to be a throwdown or something, and you're sitting there planning out, well, you know, I could dodge right, swing left. You know, I, I don't know. And, uh, but I can just imagine this son, he's thinking in his mind, he's going down, he's like, I'm coming home. He's like, I, I, I'm, he's expecting the worst, right? He deserved the worst, didn't he? He deserved the worst. He told his father, basically, You're, "You just go. Just, just die already. And so he's expecting the worst, and he's playing out this thought in his mind, and he's got this thought, he's trying to figure out what he's going to do, what is he going to say, and it's just going through his mind. And as he does that, he looks off in the distance, and he sees somebody coming his way. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's probably getting ready because he doesn't recognize who it is yet. And he's sitting there and he's getting ready. He's probably bowing up and he's like, okay, I, I'm going to take the first punch, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm ready because they're, they're coming after me. They don't want me here, you know. They don't want me to be a part of this family. I, I've already screwed up. i messed up. They're not going to take me back. And he's getting ready. And then as the man gets closer to him, he starts to figure it out that it's his father. And he's thinking, why is dad coming this way? Why is he coming towards me? And he starts, I think he kind of also realizes this is just what I see in my mind. Is he's no, he's not coming with the fist ready to knock his son's block off, but he's coming with open arms ready to embrace his son. And he's got his arms open wide and he's ready to receive him with all that he can. He is not coming to fight. He's not telling that he's not woman wanted, but he's coming to tell him that he's welcome to come back and he's ready to receive his son back into the family. He's showing him grace. He's showing him love. He's showing him mercy. You see, when you and I become bridge builders, there may be mistakes that we make that can cause damage, right? If you've ever built anything, like I've talked about, we we make mistakes sometimes, but it's important for us to recognize our mistakes and make things right as much as we have the power to do so and that's why it's so important for you to follow the blueprints and you have to learn the plans and use the right tools that the father has given us bridge building is not easy it's not for the faint at heart it's not easy or a simple task and if it was everyone would do it right and it's going to cost you something But it's worth doing and it's definitely worth celebrating. The prodigal son realized his mistake. He realized what he had done wrong. And he went back to embrace the father. He went back to to beg for mercy, to beg for forgiveness, to ask him to please take him in. And what he saw, he expected to be kicked aside. But what he saw was grace and mercy being shown to him from his father. And I believe that when we come prepared, when we decide and we decide that, look, we've made mistakes, we have done some wrongs, we have hurt families, we have hurt, we have hurt friends, we have hurt people in our life, and we decide to say, hey, it's time for me to mend those fences, it's time for me to extend a hand, it's time for me to say that I'm wrong. Then that's when we extend that hand and, and we beg for forgiveness and we ask them, to show us mercy and to show us grace. And I believe that, you know, a lot of times, I think some people have already forgiven us. We just sometimes have to make the next move. It's going to cost you something. But I believe that in the end, after you've paid that price, I believe that you will see that it was so much worth it. And think about this. If it wasn't, would well, God have sent His only Son to die on your behalf? God showed us forgiveness. He showed us forgiveness. We, something that you and I, we didn't deserve. We sinned. We should not receive anything great or wonderful or Anything for what we've done. But yet Jesus went to the cross and he died for us. He took that sin upon his back and became the ultimate sacrifice. So what happens? Let's throw a party, amen? Let's throw a party. I believe that anytime time a divine bridge is built and there's a great rejoicing in heaven, the end of our story of the prodigal son, it paints this picture for us. Look at verse 22. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. Let's kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. And for this son of mine, he was dead and he is alive again. He was lost And is found so they began to celebrate they threw a party it was the party of the century and everybody was probably wondering what is happening at that place (laughs) look at verse 25 meanwhile the older son was in the field and when he came near the house he heard music and dancing so he called one of the servants and he asked him what was going on your brother has come he replied and your father has killed the fattened calf You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Verse 32. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So here we see the perfect ending the, the father, he, like I said, he could have easily just slammed the door in the son's face. He could have said, you, you got what you asked for. Go figure it out on your own. But see, what is beautiful here, it's the mercy and grace that's shown by the father. And many of us probably are thinking what the, the oldest brother's thinking, the oldest son. Man, I've worked my tail end off for you, Father. I've been here this whole time. I've done everything you've asked me to. I've done A, B, and C. I've done 1, 2, and 3. I've quoted scriptures. I've read the book. I've read the Bible. I've studied it all. I should have big crowns in heaven. Why should he deserve to come in? See, that's the great thing about salvation. It doesn't matter what we've done. Imagine about the relationship that we have with the Father. He loves us and He cares for us so much. He extended His arms. He became that bridge that brought us from sin to grace and forgiveness. When that cross stretched across that great chasm and made it so that we could come over to the good side. Amen? Just like the Father Extended and opened his arms for the son and he welcomed me back. God welcomes us back with a gigantic party where everyone is invited to come and celebrate. That's how Jesus responds to us. It doesn't matter how far we walk away. You hear what I'm saying? It doesn't matter as long as we come back to our senses, as long as we ask the Father to come and be a part of our life, Jesus is waiting with open arms to welcome us. And here's the thing. The grace and mercy that Jesus shows us, think about this, that's the same grace that you and I should extend to one another. Jesus doesn't shame us with all our wrongdoing. He doesn't say, well, you know, you did this, 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 and this. It's like he took the piece of paper and he threw it out and he said, come on. But yet we in our human nature, in our human life, we like to have lists, don't we? Well, uh, you've done this to me, you've done this to me, you've done this to me. I'll get back with you. Jesus doesn't. He just wads it up, throws it aside and says, come on. He welcomes us. He restores us. He helps us back on that path of righteousness. So here's the challenge for all of us. It's actually twofold, okay? First, are we willing to recognize our wrongdoing and the potential hurt that we may have caused and return in humility to the family? Are we willing to ask for help? Or are we just too stinking stubborn? Come on. Anybody else stubborn? I'm just a little bit. Just a little bit. Hey, I'm just a little bit. That's it. Y'all keep laughing at me. It's not funny. Isaiah 53, verse 6. The first part of that verse I read earlier. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own Way. Can we turn from our own ways, put our hands on building bridges rather than digging wider chasms? And secondly, here's the second one. How do we respond when others come to seek reconciliation and forgiveness? In our story from Luke chapter 15... The father responds with a shocking amount of grace, love, and compassion. For many of us, it would be easy to respond in anger and frustration like the older son did. Similar to how Charles Spurgeon responded to Pastor Parker in my opening story. So many of us want to get back at others and make sure they hurt like we hurt. Right? Well, they stuck the knife in first. I'm going to stick it in them. I want them to pay for what they've done to me. And you know, this may make sense to the world, but this is not the way of Jesus. Amen? Think about Christ's way for a moment. You and I are to welcome those who've hurt us. We're to welcome their apologies. We're to... We're to offer forgiveness to them just like our Heavenly Father forgave us. We're to forgive others. We're to build bridges, throw parties, and celebrate when someone, anyone is willing to travel the path of repentance and grace. And that's what we're to do. Oh, it's easy for you to say, Pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. You're right, I don't. But I know what I've done to Christ. Christ. And yet he still extended his arms to me and invited me in. Remember what Spurgeon said to Parker, you've given me not what I deserved, you have given me what I needed. Not what I deserved, Lord, but what I needed. Many of us, we can relate to this story of the prodigal son because we see aspects of aspects of our of our lives in it and many of us we've gone our own way we've tried to do things by ourselves and we have turned our backs on family we've turned our backs on loved ones different relationships over the years and even god in order to try and find ourselves and just like this young son we come to the point in our life where we know we need to head home right right We need to pick up whatever shambles that we have left and make the journey. And aren't we grateful that Jesus went before us and he built the bridge back to the Father that we all walk upon? He did it with his own life. He laid down his own life. So that we can... All of us, at any time, it doesn't matter when, we can head back to the Father's house. And some of us, we may have, we may have returned again and again and again and again. Amen? I've heard a preacher say, if you've got to ride that altar to heaven, do it. You know how many times I've messed up? More times than I can count. And yet, every single time, the Father extends His hand to me. And shows me grace, gives me what I don't deserve. The work Jesus has done, the bridge he has built is strong and it's well able to accommodate an innumerable number of travelers. It's kind of interesting. I've been reading this story, I've been, reading our, I, I been doing this sermon, and the other day I read a story about a bridge. It was in 1989. I think it was the dates and I, I didn't write any of this information down so I'm kind of going off my memory but there was this bridge that was in uh Arkansas near I believe it was near Hebrew Springs some of y'all may remember the story years ago and it was a it was an old swinging bridge and the engineers had had deemed it that it was that they just kind of said well it's it's fine you know and so this this church group or a bunch of young people were in town for some kind of convention or something, and they all went out to this bridge and they got on this bridge and they started swinging it. And they said that this bridge was so they were swinging it so high that you could see the bottom of the bridge because it, it was an old swinging bridge, and they and in this, in this pressure of all these kids on it, it snapped and fell, and I think it ended up killing like three or three or five and injuring 18. So it was a big tragic accident happened. And, uh, and I'm sitting there thinking, when I was doing this today, the work, and I, and I wrote this down the bridge he has built. It's strong and well able to accommodate an innumerable number of travelers. Aren't you glad that the bridge that Jesus builds is not one that's going to crumble and fall? It's always there for you and I to cross. I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful that that Jesus has extended that bridge to me. and, And he's our example, he's our inspiration. And we can all be confident and bold in the bridge that he's built. So I believe that you and I need to be people of action. We need to be willing to take the high road of forgiveness and repentance. And when those prodigals come home in our life... We've got to be willing to throw a party, amen? Don't we all like parties? I like parties. They're fun. Have a good time. Lots of good food, you know. Parties are good. Let's celebrate when they come home. And just like our Heavenly Father, he does that any time that we do that. So here's your homework for this week. I like homework for y'all, not for me no homework's good we got to have things that we need to work on that we need to build on because we want to become better right we want to become all that christ wants us to become so here it is number one be be sure to come back next week as we finish this series next week we're going to learn how to break barriers you ever come you ever come to a, a a bridge and it says it's got barriers there and it says bridge out Okay, That's not the barriers I'm talking about, guys. We want those barriers, okay? Because that means that you're going to die if you go on that bridge because that bridge is not completed. But there are some barriers that keep us from building bridges, and we're going to talk about those. And Jesus was the bridge that brought together two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. And and it's only Jesus that can bring peace and unite all divided groups in our world, amen? So we're going to talk about that next week, so be here. And then my challenge to you is you need to be willing to repent and return home if you need to. If you've got things in your life that you've, maybe you've done somebody wrong, it's time to repent and go home. Amen? It's time to repent. Mend those fences. Even if you need to again and again and again, Jesus is ready to take you in, too. the father is always ready to receive you And then the third thing is if someone comes to you seeking forgiveness this week Receive them in okay Celebrate them welcome them back Forgive as the father has forgiven Being a bridge builder in our culture. It's hard work, isn't it? it takes a lot of intentionality, right? It takes a lot of grit it takes a lot of grace But it's the right thing to do. It's the way of Jesus. It's the way of the kingdom. And if it is what Jesus would do, then it's what we should do too. Amen? If Jesus would do it, then we should do it. Jesus extended that grace to us. He extended that forgiveness to us. We, in turn, need to extend it to someone else. This is not always, it's it's not easy to do that. You're hurt. I understand that. But I think that hurt will be easier to get over if you will extend that hand first. Do you hear what I'm saying? Create that bridge to one another. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for coming, being in this house. God, if there's anybody here this morning that needs to ask for forgiveness, I pray that you would just extend them, extend to them, Your hand of forgiveness, God, that you love us. You care for us. You show us grace and mercy. And so, God, I pray right now that you would extend to them that hand of forgiveness. God, I pray for everyone here. God, if they have struggles right now with people, with friends, with family members, They're fighting, bickering. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe something happened years ago and they've never been able to forgive. God, I pray that they can extend that hand and they can learn to bridge that gap to those members. They can show forgiveness, show your love, show your mercy to those that have done them wrong. Father, I pray for every person here that needs you. I pray that you would do a work in their heart and their life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you this morning, if you're here and you need forgiveness this morning, maybe you just need to forgive yourself. I want to, come, I want to tell you this altar's open. It's open for you right now. I'll come and pray with you. Maybe you've had struggles with family members, children, um, moms, dads, whoever it is, siblings, cousins, whatever it is. There's, you've, there's been a divide. There's been a chasm that's been created. And you need forgiveness, forgiveness this morning, or you need to know how to extend forgiveness this morning. Then I want to give you an opportunity. The altars are open. They're going to sing a song. And as they sing a song, then I want you to come And I want you to find a place at the altar. I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to come and I'm going to pray with you. If that's you, as they sing, just come. Mm